Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. What most of us don't know about doing our taxes. Janice Heyman. There's a lot out there that people might not be aware of. All those things that are in the cloud, you think they're saved because they're in the cloud or they're on someone else's website. Save everything. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix fix it? it? How do we fix it? We're recording this right at the start of the 2016 tax filing season, and we hope this podcast will help people save a little bit of money, maybe a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. Uh, Jim, many of us make mistakes on our taxes and don't claim the legal deductions we're entitled to, so we're going to walk through some of those. We're in the office of New York tax accountant Janice Heyman. Janice, thanks for joining us on How Do We Fix It? Thank you for having me. Janice, let's start with the IRS. A lot of Americans don't like the IRS, and they have a view of maybe it's big brother. What does the IRS like to deal with? The IRS is not as intimidating as one would think as long as you're dealing with them head on. You don't want to avoid them. If you fill out an honest tax return to the best of your ability, they will accept it as filed and move on. And if you are audited, then you will deal with that as well. Now, you've had clients who've been audited. That sounds scary. How do you minimize your chances of being audited. Yes, and it can be scary if you're not prepared. So you don't want to file a tax return without the proper supporting documents. You want to know you have all of your income documented, the earned income as well as the unearned income. You have all of your expenses documented. So when you get that letter in the mail, it's not terrifying. So it's a little confusing. We've got earned income tax credit, but we also have unearned income. Can you just walk us through that? Oh, absolutely. Unearned income are things like pension income, social security income, interest in dividends, capital gains. They're all unearned. You didn't work to receive them. But all of these are taxable. And so we don't want to forget. We don't want to omit them from the tax return. Not everyone is represented by a top flight accountant. And there have been reports when people call the IRS to get advice on certain situations that the advice can be extremely inconsistent. That's true. There is a problem. Even the IRS will tell you that you really can't only rely on their 
publications that they make available to you. So you do want to have other sources. That's where if you know you're dealing with something a little more complex, you do want to use a tax professional. Yeah, make that argument for using a tax professional as opposed to using tax prep Especially software. Especially right now where your field, like so many, is full of options on the web where people can go to these various tax filing programs and do it themselves. Absolutely. One of my clients thought, um, she she's a client now because she paid me to review her TurboTax prepared tax return, and I found a number of errors. And it's simply because the interview that a lot of these packages, they go through an interview process that to a tax professional is very obvious and clear, but to the general taxpayer, not so much. And they can answer incorrectly and think that, yes, they can deduct their commuting costs. And those are certainly not deductible. That's just an example of things that are a misconception. If you have a very simple tax situation, you work for one employer, you don't have a mortgage, wouldn't it make sense to go for a a tax prep software? You could if you're not somebody who donates a lot to charity and you don't have a lot of -of out-of-pocket medicals. So if you really are very healthy, you don't have to pay for your own health insurance. I'm just thinking of that that cookie-cutter taxpayer. They can absolutely use an online software and do their own return. But when they make a change, then they want to consult with a tax professional just to see if they're missing out on deductions. And I think a lot of people, especially moderate income people, are surprised by how much they can get back. The earned income tax credit, which often isn't claimed by a lot of people, it can be very valuable. That certainly can. That can be very helpful. Tuition credits are very helpful. There's a lot out there that people might not be aware of. Let's run through a couple of those. What are the main ones that when people come into you that, that they didn't know were, they were, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just not on it today. No, he's not. He's really... <laughs> you want me to, want me to ask all no, the questions no, no, for no. you? So, all right, here we go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's let's go through some of those things. Like when people come into your office, are there certain things that typically pop up that they weren't aware of? Yes, believe it or not, there are state tax payments that are tax deductible. And the big ones are the ones on your W-2s. People may not realize that is a deduction, your state and city withholding. And that's a big one that allows a lot of people to itemize. Those people that have that one W-2 and no business expenses and no mortgage, they probably think, I can't itemize. But you can if you have a high enough income and high enough withholding. Especially in a state like New York State that has high, high taxes. Absolutely. So you don't have to own property to be able to itemize. What are some other ones? Um, Tuition, I know, is something which a lot of people don't necessarily claim. And the expenses of looking for a job. Absolutely. If in order to maintain your job, you needed to take some courses, and those courses actually led to a degree, you have a choice of taking a lifetime learning credit or writing it off as a legitimate business expense because it is something you needed for your career. And it didn't qualify you to be higher in that career. It was really to maintain your job. We're speaking with tax accountant Jen. It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As Heyman on How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies. Now, most of us give at least some money to charity. And... A lot of people go, oh, yeah, you can, you can claim charity as a tax deduction. But walk us through that. In what cases and what do you have to do to make sure you're on the right side of the law? I love this topic about charitable contributions because you can get a lot out of this. You just need to get documentation. So as long as you have documentation for the payments you made by check, of course, credit card, Anything over $250, you need a letter of acknowledgement from that not-for-profit organization. And let me note, political contributions are not tax-deductible. And any portion of your contribution to a nonprofit, they may have a portion going to lobbying. So they will tell you what portion of of your donation is allowable and fully tax-deductible. And then sometimes you'll have an organization that you think qualifies and doesn't. So what's the, what's the ruling on that? They will tell you on the irs.gov website all of the charitable organizations that they acknowledge as 501c3 not-for-profits. And even to somebody who is using a professional tax preparer, it sounds like a good way to get yourself organized and prepared. So you're, you're not going into your accountant's office with a giant shoebox full of random receipts. <laughs> well, I've not, done that. <laughs> not mentioning any names. Yeah, full, full disclosure, Janice is my accountant. She's probably going <laughs> to spill the beans on how, what a mess we are. <laughs> oh, he's very organized. But I have to say, yes, going to the irs.gov can help you prepare, especially if you are self-employed or you're a freelancer and you have multiple employers, you can go and look at some of their publications for small business. You don't want to forget to claim all the correct forms of taxable income. I know someone, not me, who is the opposite of being well-organized. And she went through a long period where she just kind of avoided dealing with the artist. And she was young and her income was low, but it wasn't zero. <laughs> um, and had to come back after, I don't know, four years or something and say, okay, uh, I'm over here. I haven't filed my taxes in four years. If that happens to somebody, how do you handle it? And it happens a lot. There, there is that group of people that even if they are scared, they are unsure about filing, so they haven't filed. It does seem really overwhelming, especially when, when you're starting your career and, and it's pretty intimidating. It can be, but there are some very good reasons to file timely. And one is if you're due a refund, there's an expiration date on that refund. You only have three years from the filing due date to claim that refund. 
Recently, we did a podcast about con artists and various cons. Certainly, the tax world is one where people are vulnerable to all kinds of scams. What are some of the common ones? Well, this is this is very timely. Last night, I looked at an email that supposedly came from my client, and it said urgent. So I looked at it, and thank heavens I can scan the first line of it. There was something in the wording that was suspicious, and it had a document to download. So I emailed her independently. But this is a new scam targeted at tax professionals from your client's email. Wow. And if they get into your system, yes. imagine the information, the hundreds of clients who could be compromised. That's really kind of scary. Yes. So I often send an email directly originating from myself to my client saying, did you actually send me this? The woman thanked me immediately. She said, no, I've spent the last hour taking care of this. This has been a hack. So that's what's known as, as a, a phishing scam. Same thing that snared John Podesta in the Hillary campaign. And he clicked on a link and all of his emails were compromised. Absolutely. We can't be careful enough. Also, the phone calls. There have been so many, so many people. I get them all the time. And they're scary. And I imagine if you were, if maybe if your English wasn't so good or you weren't so experienced, you know, I mean, I've covered this stuff or you're a little older. It sounds very intimidating. They tell you they're from the IRS and you owe all this money. And, you know, when people get nervous or a little panicked, they don't think as rationally. I can see how even very smart people could fall for that. Yeah. And the, the IRS never calls you. They doesn't email you. The IRS will only communicate with you by phone if you have an ongoing case with them. Even if that's the case, though, and you, you receive this threatening phone call, I would say call that agent that you've been dealing with directly. He'll tell you whether that was a legitimate IRS call. But commonly, you will never hear from the IRS by phone or email. It'll be by registered post or certified mail or regular mail. But there will not be that phone call. I want to talk a little bit about the way the economy is changing. And you know, we, we hear a lot about the gig economy, and I work as a musician, among other things. So I'm literally part of the yeah, gig. Yeah, he goes to a lot of gigs. <laughs> the, you know, the gig with a field of music that pays almost as well as podcasting. So, um, <laughs> but, um, but so many people today are doing an assortment of different jobs, different kinds of businesses. It's not just a matter of maybe doing one kind of freelance work. You might be doing two or three things at the same time. And those create some special challenges, especially for keeping track of, I mean, I keep track of all of my expenses, but I'm told I should have a different credit card for each business. So what are some things that people need to know if they are part of this gig economy, especially millennials who are particularly involved in this kind of career? That is a fantastic question. Yeah, it's a good question, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, I find a truffle. <laughs> I can't emphasize this enough. We really do need people to document everything, save everything. All those things that are in the cloud, you think they're saved because they're in the cloud or they're on someone else's website, like your bank or your credit card. You actually need to go in and download information, save it on a flash drive, whatever it may be, so that you can retrieve it in 12 months, 18 months when you need it. Also, you were mentioning the different types of gigs. Right. So let's say you're making jewelry, but you're also a performer. So you, you That's know exactly what I'm talking. That kind of mix is exactly what I'm talking about, and, and I deal with that a lot. Um, so you do want to keep, if possible, separate bank accounts. That would be ideal. I know that's not practical for some people. So at the very least, 
keep a separate log, you know, digital or on paper, whatever it may be, and always record the income earned from those two different businesses that you're running. And they are businesses. That's the thing you have to keep in mind. And you want to keep track of the time spent as well. And Now, why is that? Because if you are really operating only in your home, then there is a home office deduction there. And keeping track of your hours, the number of hours spent in each type of work could be relevant. Janice, you're an accountant. What surprises you the most? How many people don't look to see if they have that mortgage statement <laughs> when they come into my office. Those things now are very much paperless. They think they have it because they have something from the mortgage company, but it's not that 1098 form, which I absolutely need. The brokerage statements are another group of documents that you want to make sure you've downloaded. If you've selected to be paperless, you're not getting those all-important 1099 dividend statements or interest statements or what your broker may call the consolidated 1099. And that will give us also all of those capital gains and losses. So we still need paper in the paperless America. You do. You need to go log in, download. The other big missing tax document that is huge is the 1098-T form. That's for tuition. And if we want to claim that tuition credit, we need the form. A policy question. Yes. How complicated is the tax system? It seems to be crazy complex. Oh, absolutely. And that especially, I mean, for, for most people with one or two incomes and without a lot of crazy expenses, that may be one situation. But as people get into more higher incomes or more complicated businesses, and certainly for businesses themselves, we're seeing uh, a system that eats up a lot of time and money to keep up with all these constantly changing rules, aren't we? I think the last 10 years have been very interesting with tax law and with the way we've had to con conduct ourselves, the different types of businesses, the way we work. We don't necessarily go to an office anymore. We are working remotely, digitally. Yes. So it's a, a very different environment. And we are spending a lot of our own money on getting our work done for other people. For example, we might own our own phone, but use it constantly for business. Yes. And that's a tricky one. Because if we're on a flat rate plan, you really have to keep track of the amount of time you are using your phone for business. Does anybody do that? It's harder and harder to do that. Some people have two phones. Right. So we have a new administration in Washington that uh, ran on the idea of reducing taxes. Right now, the Trump administration is proposing cutting the top rate down to 33%, cutting corporate taxes significantly, cutting uh, the estate taxes. So what should regular folks think about it. Should this be affecting our thinking or our planning as we go into the coming year or years? Absolutely. We want to look at things that, since we know what our tax code looks like today, we will make decisions on that which we know. Let's assume that if they do make any changes, they wouldn't 
be retroactive to January 1, 2017. One of the things that you might want to take advantage of would be this 0% tax rate that we have. It's a capital gains 0% rate for people in the 15% bracket or lower. And it's fantastic. They used to call it the granny tax because a lot of older people were holding on to long-term securities that had a tremendous amount of appreciation, but still wouldn't pop them up into that next capital gains rate. So you mentioned capital gains. What are capital gains? Capital gains are when you're selling assets like stock or a home or a rental property. In this case, let's look at stock. So if you bought stock for $5,000 10 years ago, and now it's worth 10 or 9, what's 8, whatever, that's a good stock. Well, let's say it's worth 9. What rate would apply? So it would be that difference between your original purchase cost and your selling cost. And that would be the capital gain. And the tax on that would be? If your income is low enough, it could be zero on the federal level. If um, you're under a certain level, it's 15%. And if you're in the top tax bracket, you're paying 20% under current tax law on long-term capital gains. The short-term capital gains rate is what we call ordinary tax rate. So there's no favorable status to that. And that's something that could conceivably go away as other changes go uh, into the tax system. It sure could. We, we just don't know what's on the table. And then the classic shoebox full of receipts, how often does it happen? Thankfully, not that often anymore. What, what happens generally is you, you smile, you take a deep breath, and then you say, okay, we're going to go through it, and I'm going to show you how to organize. But you have to give a person the guidance, you know, a little tutelage on, on what you need organized. Let me ask you one more, and that is you mentioned that you're a tax therapist, You are sometimes, aren't you? Especially when you have uh, husbands and wives filing jointly or a nasty divorce or something like that where you have to counsel people emotionally about their taxes. And taxes are very emotional. And let's say you have a a husband who's a W-2 employee and all of his taxes are always withheld. He's never underwithheld. That would be what your employer is withholding from your pay. But you have the other spouse, and they're self-employed, and they think they've paid enough, and then there's that argument. So it is, there is therapy. Janice Heyman, thanks very much. So Jim, I'm going to shock you with this and endorse an idea put forward by Stephen Moore of the Heritage Foundation. Oh, here we go. Pretty hard right stuff. I usually don't agree with this guy. But he's saying, and I think he's right, that our business tax system is nuts. The current rate's 35%, and virtually every other competitor around the world has a far lower tax rate, right. and a lot of American companies are parking vast amounts of money overseas and not here and people because act, of that. Yeah, and people act like, oh, 
they're doing something evil because they're parking money overseas. But if you own stock in that company, wouldn't you want them to behave in a way that makes them as profitable as possible? It's because of this excessive corporate tax. And, you know, people think, well, yeah, why not tax the corporations instead of people? It all gets paid by people. It gets paid by their workers. It gets paid by their investors. And it, and it gets paid by their employers. If you tax businesses too highly, they are less likely to come up with new products, new innovations, right. and uh, move on to the next level, right. which means that a lot of people get fired in the process. So there's a lot of different tax code revisions that the Trump administration is, is looking at. And I think that, interestingly, there's a lot of consensus among both liberals and conservatives that a, a significant cut in corporate taxes would actually be good for the economy in the long run. And also with, with personal taxes, the system is so incredibly complicated. The last time we had major tax reform was in 1986 when, when President Reagan was in the White House, and that simplified things to some extent. But I would argue that if you had a lower rate and far fewer deductions, that it would be generally fairer and certainly a lot easier for people to complete their taxes, which often it's a very time-consuming well, process. It was, it was so interesting talking to Janice about this as she's going through all these different deductions for tuition, for this, they're taxed at different rates. Every one of those little quirks was put in with good intentions. Let's give people a break for tuition. Let's encourage people to do this. Let's help people do that. The mortgage deduction, oh, that sounds great. Give people a break on their mortgage. We want people to own homes. Every one of them sounded good, but it's cumulatively, it's led to this incredibly complicated system that requires you then to hire professionals, potentially make mistakes. You know, it would be so hard to do, but wouldn't life be simpler if we were able to do what you're saying, just a much simpler code and uh, at, a, at a lower rate, but with fewer exceptions? Yeah, I think that's a huge reform that would help enormously. And as Janice was saying, the tax system is crazy complicated. Right. And in the meantime, hopefully the advice that Janice has given for, for all of our listeners is, is helpful. And, and I think as many of us see the kinds of work we do break up into smaller and smaller subcategories, it gets even more important to do all this kind of niggling work of keeping track of all those different pools of spending and income. And gather up those forms. It's that my, time of year. You should see my desk literally <laughs> piled with receipts right Get now. Get an envelope for it, Jim. I need four envelopes. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. I'm Jim Meggs. And the show is produced by Miranda Schaefer. Our intern is Julia Lewis. Music by Lou Stravinsky. And this show is produced by Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Jim, thanks for joining me. Always good to be here with you, Richard. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.